Welcome to devmode.fm, a podcast dedicated to the tools, techniques, and technologies used in modern web development. I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107. I'm Patrick Harrington from Mildly Geeky in Boston. I'm Jonathan Melville from NDD in Atlanta. And I'm Matt Stein from Working Concept in Austin. And today we're going to be talking to Sean Swicks Wang from Netlify. Sean, how you doing? Hey everyone, I'm good. How are you? Good, man. So we, we wanted you on here today so we could talk about the serverless and Netlify and Jamstack stuff. So if you were out at uh, King Abdul Aziz's Camel Festival as a judge in the Camel Beauty Contest, and another judge kind of turned over to you when you were checking the camels out and said, hey, Sean, what is this Netlify thing all about? Like, what, what is it? What does it do? Uh, how would you answer that? <laughs> I'd say Netlify is a, Netlify is a uh, CDN and hosting platform that helps you to deliver Jamstack websites uh, so you can sell your camels better and make camel websites really quickly and securely and and, um, and deliver them quickly. So that's that's the that's the short gist of it. I'm not I'm not really I got I got really thrown off at the camel question, but okay. <laughs> you tied okay. it back no, in there. That was well yeah, oh, I, that was a masterful elevator pitch right there. I <laughs> yeah. love that. So one of the things that the <laughs> King Abdul Aziz told me about it, though is that when. <laughs> Whenever they figure out who is the winner of the Camel Beauty Contest, like they, the public is really eager. They want to get it up on the site quickly. Do we have to worry <laughs> about long build times when we're using the Jamstack to get stuff up, net, up on Netlify? Or, or are people going to be able to see the prize of the winning camel like really quick? <laughs> so you can, it, it depends on how you build your site. If you put everything inside a super long build process, then right. yes, you're going to have to wait for the build process. Yeah. But that's on you. That's, that's very much a self-inflicted thing. If you if you need that page to load quickly and be be dynamic and all that, you can ship an empty shell and then load the results of the camel contest, which is just like a simple <laughs> JSON file, right? Mm. With the, the name of the winning camel and all that. And that would be super quick as well. So the, the whole idea is that you can do everything that you normally do with a mobile app, with a progressive web app, or, or, or is it just like a standard app. And the whole idea of the server to client request response cycle isn't necessarily needed if you can just break things down into just API responses. Right. And if we did something like that, in this case, everything would come back in... Camel case. Right. Okay. <laughs> totally. That's that's magic. Here's now tripled down. It's getting weaker. Sean is still up. <laughs> All right. I apologize for that. Let's take a step back, though. So you mentioned that Netlify is a is a CDN. Okay. So what makes it different from something like Mac CDN? So I've used Mac CDN for years to mm -hmm. uh, host images. You know, kind of uh, the static assets around the world. How is Netlify different from something like Mac CDN? So I will never like. The CDN is the hosting, right? Like, so I would never like people put other CDNs in front of Netlify if they if they need you know more points of presence, they need other features of other sites. But but for us, like the goal is to deploy things to the CDN so that you serve the assets from you know the the, the point of presence closest to them. And I, I'd say I'd say like 
th- everything about Netlify CDN is built around that assumption of atomic deploys, immutable deploys, continuous deployment from the built bot. That is a that is another stage on Netlify. If by the way, if you didn't know, Netlify breaks itself down into three different three primary categories of Netlify Edge, Netlify Build, and Netlify Dev. So we're talking really only about the the outermost section, the Netlify Edge, mm-hmm. and that's where you like the whole point is that there's no origin server. Like everyone just hits the CDN. Uh, there's no server behind the CDN to go back to because you're just that serving static assets. Okay, so um, I, I just want to try and clarify things for people that are they're used to the idea of a CDN and they're used to the idea of having a host somewhere. You know, maybe they spun it up a digital ocean VPS or something like that. Yeah. But this Netlify thing is it kind of is in the middle of those, right? Because it allows you to build stuff. It allows you to do like a a, a Gatsby or an Eleven T or you know whatever your static site generator stuff. It it will actually do the builds on Netlify servers. Is that how it works? Yeah. Um, so the the way the way that I sort of break it down. The, the reason I break it down to these three pieces is that you can kind of pick and choose which one you are actually going to use. The only really necessary thing for hosting on Netlify is Netlify Edge. And, and so the, the build bot is actually optional. Like for me, I my own personal site, I actually build it locally just because I have a bunch of... Well, I, I'm building well, my own hold site. On. You, my understanding is you build it in Webflow now. Like you've ascended? No, you're no, you're no, doing no, no. no code now? <laughs> I'm, I'm practicing design in Webflow because I don't want to get code. I don't want to get lost in code and I, and I want to have that visual interface. Gotcha. So I'm using Webflow like as like a design tool that speaks CSS. Gotcha. So your uh, actual site though, you, you build it locally then? Yeah, I build it locally. I run Yarn Build and once all the sites are, are, are done, I just run the CLI Netlify Deploy command and it's just get, it just get uploaded. So it's the same as the FTP of Days of Yore mm. with, the, with the exception that every single time I FTP something, I get an immutable deploy and, it's ato- and then each release is atomic in the sense that, and this is where the CDN comes in. So if you imagine you're, you're, you're releasing a thousand files. If you're doing a typical FTP, you might get caught in a state where like half the files are uploaded and then the other half is not. So you're you're in an inconsistent state, right? right. So your users might get like a broken site for, for a few seconds. It's super annoying. So the CDN actually waits until the entire thing is done and then it just shifts the pointer over. So it's, so it's a very elegant way of deploying the site. Like an atomic deployment. Yeah, that's what that's what we call it. So the, the, the idea is that's, that's just your site content. So there's HTML, JavaScript and CSS, but then also serverless functions as well. So mm-hmm. you can move your back end and front end and step. Yeah, someone doesn't need to be, you know, an ES6 Node.js React master to get in and do big complex build processes with Netlify Build and Netlify Edge, if I'm getting the, the wording correct. If you're, you're someone that wants to, maybe you're a student and you're picking up HTML, CSS, and a little bit of JavaScript, you want to get that out and host it. Yeah. Netlify can just pick that up put it out, it'll load as quickly locally as it will in Australia. I don't, I'd don't. i love to ask later about where the edge points are and all that good stuff, but yeah. you don't need to be someone with a big complex build pipeline to, to no. use it. Yeah. So in fact, I just I just finished recording this four-hour comprehensive Netlify tutorial thing for Free Code Camp. They're, they have a massive YouTube channel, so I, I just recorded a thing for them. And I start off with drag and drop. Netlify started life as a different company called Bitballoon, and literally they offered drag and drop. Like, you drag a file mm-hmm. on your desktop onto the site and then... Well, that, I mean, that's something Patrick would really like, because I know he, he uses some little FTP program where he just does a select all and he drags everything to that's it, a, and that's... that's, that's how, a, yeah, I do everything locally. I still use Dreamweaver from time to time. Or Coda. And yeah, I can just drag it. Instead of FTP, I just drag it right in and there's yeah. a little animation. And it As long works. as Netlify supports his code kit builds, like, actually it will, right? Because you can use anything you want yep. to build locally. So Patrick can build stuff in his code kit and it makes no difference. You can just deploy <laughs> it, right? 
<laughs> yeah, totally. Build, build whatever you like. Um, so, but like, I want to enforce the idea. The reason we do this, right? Because it's it's actually very loose integration between the build and the deploy, right? Hmm. There's only certain there's only certain requirements that that we sort of do. Like, for example, we'll we'll give you a subdomain and in, in a and a hash on top of the subdomain for the immutable deploy. But the reason is it's decoupled like that is is so that you can bring in any of your toolkits, uh, tool chains at any at any point in that juncture. There's also a Netlify dev section that we'll talk about later, but. Like I really like that because that just means that you're not locked in un- unless you unless you want to, and and that's that's a really yep. sane way to do things. And honestly, that's the first way I ever interacted with Netlify. I have a little site I did from my brother-in-law. It was just as hmm. index.html and you know, a little hard-coded site that it didn't make sense to put a CMS behind it. And I was tired of hosting it on DigitalOcean. I love DigitalOcean, but I don't want to have to worry about another little lamp stack sitting yeah. out there. And I I, you know, I heard about this drag and drop. I'm like, surely it can't be that easy. But I just dropped the folder. And the next thing I knew, I was just hooking up my C name and getting it all running. It, it's pretty cool. I don't want you know, this to be just an ad for how cool the drag and drop is. But let's you see some really cool... <laughs> cool results, even with just a static little, you know, bunch of HTML and CSS files. I I actually had a a similar experience. So my first time playing with Netlify was last year sometime, maybe almost about a year ago. And Sean, just for the record, like I'm someone that maintains an Nginx configuration repository on GitHub, right? So I I do all the crazy DevOps stuff, right? So I'm here I am, I'm playing around with Netlify and I end up, I deploy some stuff and I was kind of angry. I'm like, that's it? Like, am I done? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't have to do anything else. Are you kidding me? Oh my goodness! You know, which you I know. see. I think I think that knowledge is useful, but only if you need it, right? Like right. it's undifferentiated heavy lifting. Otherwise, like for for regular stuff, you just need good defaults, right? So, no, I, mean, I, I get it. Else, yeah, sure. All, all I'm yeah. trying to say is that you know. I'm used to having knowledge that I have deprecated and become completely useless. And it really is. It really seems like, you know, if you don't really enjoy doing DevOps stuff, getting yeah. getting your way so over to the Jamstack is like the place to be, right? Yeah, totally. Um, like even so, so Netlify actually promotes this at, at Netlify's own expense, like to the point of like, even if you don't use Netlify, this may still be a good idea for you anyway. Right. So I actually recommend people to, to check out this talk by Jamin Ferguson from PayPal. So PayPal implemented a Jamstack approach for PayPal.me, right? Because like PayPal is very uptight about their security, right? For financial yeah. reasons. So they built their own Netlify clone, like internally, like uh, just like with for build, building and deploying. And like they, they, they experienced this the exact same benefits and we're super happy for them because like we just think this is a fundamentally better approach for both architecture as well as security and ultimately the user experience of, of like you know just downloading and, and and not waiting for that whole request response cycle mm-hmm. right so if i'm using a static site generator of some kind any kind whether it's something that i made or it's 11d or it's hugo or jekyll or gatsby or gridsum or whatever it is right and i can just i can do my builds locally in my local dev environment whatever it is then i I can I can just employ, uh, deploy that to Netlify Edge and that's it, right? I'm done. Or if for if I wanted to have the actual build process happen on your server, then I would hook Netlify up to my GitHub repo or wherever the repo is yep. and use a webhook to to signal that it should build and then the build actually happens on your server. So when would I use the build server and when would I just build it locally? Like what's the the line there? So the line for me well, so first of all, I'm going to say that actually most of us, most, most like I'd say like 90% of users use the, the build bot. So it is it is the default, the, the very common approach. I actually have moved off of that and, and started to do more stuff locally. Hmm. And for me, it's for me, it's like when I'm developing and debugging my own build, like I don't 
like it's the same reason when do you hand things off to like a CI or CD bot, sure. like have a CI circle CI. When you're when you're reasonably sure that that thing's stable, right? If you're not sure about it, then do it all locally. Make sure that the build output is exactly what you expect, and then upload it manually. That's what I'm doing because I'm building my own static side generator right now. Oh but my if God. you have if you're using standard kit right? <laughs> Where you have your confidence in it because it's uh, it's widely used, whatever. It's very standard. Then yeah, chuck it in the Netlify build bot. And you don't have to, like the magical Netlify, I mean, Netlify did not invent continuous deployment, but it's so easy once you link up that GitHub repo, Netlify automatically sets up the webhooks for you to build on every push, um, every merge, as well as in every PR. So that's what we call deploy previews, where even people submitting a PR to, let's say, your docs, you get to see the change in, in the docs before you merge it in. Yeah. So, so if you like you- your build server, you can keep your build server. That's what we're saying. You can absolutely keep your build server. Yeah. People actually people actually do that. They install our CLI just to use the deploy functionality. Mm, and and yeah. they don't use the build functionality. Yeah. Because as you mentioned, continuous integration has been around for a while. You know, whether it's something like Jenkins or, you know, you can use build server. Like we use Buddy works quite often to do builds and deploys and stuff like that. But I got, mm-hmm. I've got a new marketing term for you, right? So continuous integration. Netlify is continuous jam, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like a, a never-ending jam session. You know what I mean? I think I think smoke. Uh, yeah, yeah. I imagine a jar that's just never done emptying. <laughs> oh man, I'm talking about jam like playing music together. You know? Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. I like that. I actually put out a blog post this morning calling it "Extreme Continuous Deployment." No, no, change it. <laughs> edit it. Call it "Continuous Jam." <laughs> I should I should probably change that to "Continuous Jam." Totally, man. Uh, then naming things is hard. Yeah. All right. So getting back to what we we're talking about before. So you said there's also a okay. So is it a requirement then that we be doing stuff the jam stacky way in order to uh, leverage netlify yes so Netlify makes only one, as in, so the, the way I phrase it is that Netlify lives and dies by its ability to serve the Jamstack developer. Mm-hmm. And if you're not interested in the Jamstack, don't use Netlify. Right. And um, to clarify, a lot of people seem to conflate Jamstack with, you know, these frameworks like Vue or Get or Gatsby or Gridsome or Svelte or whatever. Y- you don't need any of that to do Jamstack stuff necessarily, right? Like you could use something like Hugo, which is written in Go, and that could yeah. be your Jamstack tool, right? I think our second and third largest uh, user bases are Hugo and Jekyll uh, users. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the reason I just wanted to clarify is that I think a lot of people, when they hear Jamstack, they immediately think that it's going to be something like React or Gridsome or, you know, I mean, any one of those, either one of the the big frameworks or one of the tools built on top of those big JavaScript frameworks. And I think that's because of the J in Jamstack, but that's not necessarily true, right? Yeah. All they're, they're optional. Like it's, it's JavaScript and or APIs and or markup. Um, And really the only thing that, that you need to get to the point of is static assets up front. Hmm. And, and, and so, yeah, like if you don't need any interactivity, I mean, if you want to, if you want to build sites, where you just generate the HTML and then you you just drop in JavaScript the old old fashioned way with the script tag. You can absolutely do that, right? But I think the reason that people are excited about these newer JavaScript frameworks, first of all, and I'll I'll be the first guy to acknowledge this, is because I'm more familiar with it, right? Mm. Like I want to play, I like I know React. I'm a React, you know, I've built a career on React. I want to play with it in my in my spare time. Uh, that's why my previous my old blog I built it with Gatsby, and I was serving 180 kilobytes of JavaScript to every every person viewing my blog post because I didn't know any. I mean. I was just like playing around with Gatsby, right? That's just that's just what you do. It's Sean, a breakable toy. Sean, that's it not bad. Matter. That's not bad at all. Like I've, <laughs> I've gone in and audited sites for people. I do performance work too. And yeah. I have seen 
absolutely massive, like two megabyte JavaScript <laughs> bundles that would just make you vomit. Yeah, well, Gatsby is Gatsby's really good at that because you yeah. know you 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 code split and all that, and and so. But you know, I'm just saying, like it's you 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 use what you know, and a lot of people learn come up through web dev sure. by React or or Vue these days, and 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 then they build sites with it, and it's absolutely no problem. But you don't need that until you get to the point of you need to author in like a sort of service side component model that that then rehydrates on the client side and mm-hmm. then interacts with your APIs in some ways. Right. And so it becomes more like an app. And so people can get, people can build really awesome stuff with that. So, so like, you know, people starting to build e-commerce experiences. The Gatsby team has, has a Gatsby mail application where they hook into your Gmail and then it shows you. The, the, the real sort of dream of progressive web apps is only possible with the modern generation of JavaScript frameworks. Right. You're not, you're not going to get there with Hugo and Jekyll and, and stuff like that. So it's a, it's, it's a range of different site uses. And I always like to joke that Netlify or, or the Jamstack sort of produces strange bedfellows. Do you know this this concept of strange, uh, <laughs> politics? Politics produces strange bed, bedfellows, like it, like two sides who like completely hate each other, don't don't agree, but they they agree on this one thing because it it, it just helps <laughs> right. them better. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. so the vanilla JS vanilla HTML CSS JS crew mm-hmm. uh, who totally hate the framework crew, right? Because they're like irresponsible for the web and they're 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 never going to reach the next billion users. They hate each other, like. And then the other the other the other side is is just like uh you like you don't understand my my, my needs and, and stuff or or you're just like you're being too dogmatic about uh, about certain things but both of them want better performance anyway. So uh, they find themselves coming back to this idea of let's do work up front by do, using a static site generator. And then any, any you know, subsequent dynamic content that's loaded by hitting an API instead of doing the whole going back to the server and then getting back fresh HTML. So that's, that's the idea of, of why I think, why, I th- why I think like Jamstack has both this, this group of people who, who use, you know, est- very well established technologies that, that basically just generate HTML. And, and that's just how it's always been. But also this other new group, which which are just like framework junkies. Like I'm a, I'm a framework junkie. I just moved to, to Svelte. So hopefully that's a good explanation. I don't. <laughs> no, I, I think that's a, an awesome explanation. Now, Matt, you're sitting here. You're bobbing your head. What do you think? At, I mean, at the end of the day, it's all just camels, right? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think that's one of the things Camel that's camel. really that's one of the things that's cool to me about Netlify is that I just started playing with it at the same time as I did Gatsby, and I'm both Netlify and Gatsby at the time are completely foreign to me, and it was really neat how quickly I could start working with React, a whole bunch of front-end stuff that I should have been doing, but maybe wasn't, and then deploy just without any real effort to Netlify. And then when I thought, oh, yeah, but what about forms? Netlify has that covered. And I thought, oh, theoretically, you know, what if I wanted to handle authentication? Like, it feels like Netlify has thought things through and really made it kind of empowering for somebody to get into. You could do with a CDN, sort of, but it's just so well bundled. It's really fun to play with. Well, you jumped on a number of things. So let's maybe Sean can help us unpack them one at a time. So if we if we have no backend, how do yep. we handle things like user submission of forms, for instance? Like, what do we do with that? Do we use like a AWS Lambda function, or is there something Netlify has that they can help us out with that? Or yeah, use and this is this is. This may frustrate or excite you depending on, on what kind of developer you are. Use whatever the hell you like. Um, and so, and so that's, that's the whole point. Like no, that APIs, uh, cap, that APIs, uh, part of the Jamstack captures all the dynamic pieces of, of things. Right. And it just, it just says you don't need a monolith. You can if you want to, but by all means, spin up that Ruby on Rails server and serve it as a mon, as a, as an API platform. Wait, Ruby uh, on what? Ruby on Rails. <laughs> what is that? Is that? <laughs> so, uh, anyway, sorry. Continue. Um, I'm just there are times where I can't tell if you're kidding or not. (laughs) (laughs) 
you have such a deadpan face. It's it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. But it, you know what I mean? Like, um, do use whatever you're you're familiar with or suits your suits your use case best. The point is that because you're you've decoupled your site from any any specific endpoint, you can swap that out if you, if you need to. But you can just use whatever. So for example, Nellify has a first party form solution, but we're uh, and but that's that's that may not serve your your specific needs. So like, that means it's built into Netlify, right? If we want to leverage it, we can. Is that, is what you're saying? Okay. You can you can you can absolutely do that. But at the same time, I'm doing business development calls with other form providers who who provide their own form solutions with you know very focused needs. For example, around image uploading, file uh, file uploading, mm-hmm. spam protection, and all that. Like Netlify Netlify has that too. But we'll never ever ever be like that. That's never that's never our first priority. Like all these all of these for us are add-ons. Right. Like, our job is to just handle edge build and dev. All the all the other API. This is what we call the API economy. That that this growing ecosystem of uh, companies and small businesses that just do that just build APIs for other developers to use. And and the the, the whole idea is that you can plug and play, right? As, as the the more you learn about like like a Stripe or like a Shopify, you're no longer building this that piece like individual pieces of backend that you used to build on on a single server. You're no longer building these by yourself. You're you're just handing it off to people who've just done it forever and then paying them you know a variable cost instead of paying an upfront fixed cost of your own dev time. Right. So you're uh, you're providing a number of these services just because it's convenient and people might want to use it, but if they don't want to use your form stuff, they can just use something else, right? Is what you're saying. Yeah. Totally. And we're helping them do that. Like right. we'll, we'll actively invite them for our conferences and let them, you know, encourage people to use that. Because as long as they win, then we win. So it's it's a it's a very friendly approach. It's funny. Like you mentioned the API economy. I had this image of, you know, like a, a back alley transaction. Hey, buddy. <laughs> check, check got an endpoint. Got an endpoint. Any of them endpoints? I got an API. Mm. No, I, I, got I have just a, API so my, beautiful camels. <laughs> in my in my uh, in my some of my Jamstack uh, slide decks, I actually have a picture up of all these API, de- like developer focused APIs that have yep. been have grown up, and it's just like all this is the stuff that you don't have to code anymore, yep. and you mm-hmm. can focus on the thing that actually sets your application or site apart. Work has just moved from like we used to call this. We used to have the idea of like full stack and front end and back end. I think that's kind of changed. Actually, I've been trying to develop this. I haven't written this down anywhere, but so you can tell me what you think about it. But I think that work has moved from like a full stack slash front end slash back end approach to more of like, you're just a product developer. Like you want to, you want to, you want, or, or like a, like a web developer, right? Like if you, if you want to be responsible for the front end, you're also probably responsible for stitching a few APIs together to, to make mm-hmm. stuff happen. And only the stuff that is your proprietary platform, you hand off to your, your platform developers, right? And and they'll they'll do the whole crazy Docker Kubernetes things to make a first party sort of proprietary platform that you as a product or front end developer rely on as a, as a first consumer. So I think I think that's the real split that's coming that's coming on, and that more accurately describes what we do. And in fact, it's more prominent in our job titles anyway. We just have we're just holding on to this hard division of front end and back end too much, like. You know, if if you're talking, if you're a front end dev and you're talking about a form solution, that's that's a lot of back end stuff too. I mean, the whole front end back end thing just never has made any sense to me at all. But I, I mean, I, I'm not coming from a, a web dev world. Like I, I used to do C and assembly and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, it's all it's all just programming languages. It's all just code. You know, mm-hmm. it may run in different places, but so what? You know, what? I don't I don't know. Whatever. But you know, getting back to what we we're talking about before. So in addition to form service, a very common thing that people need is image transforms, right? So ImageX is a image transform service. You could also easily spin up your own, like I wrote an article on how to do, spin up your own uh, image transform service using AWS Lambda. But my understanding is that uh, Netlify, I almost said Netflix. (laughs) 
we had a we had a joint <laughs> dinner party recently the yeah. the Netflixify dinner. Oh my and, god, um, it, was, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so if you wanted Netlify to do it, you also have an image transform service, right? Yeah, I, I will say that this one, it, this uh, this one was launched uh, very recently, and I'll be honest, like it wasn't a great launch. It's not something that we're super proud of, hmm. but it's it's out there. What happened? Um, what's, and what's, and what's we, bad? Uh, oh, so we we use Git LFS. We we decided to hmm. uh, because we're we're very we're very keen on people putting things in Git for version control, collaboration, yada 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 for for Git, and so we decided to use Git LFS. But GitLFS has too much, too high of a learning curve compared mm. to just Cloudinary. Like it's just, just use like right. You know we have good partners in Upload Care, Cloudinary, mm. whatever other image hosts that you use. So like we we do have that and we do support it. It's just that it's uh, it hasn't been a fully it's not a fully featured solution just yet because it's pretty new. But but at your core, what you really view Netlify as is a place to host your Jamstack stuff and a place to build it. And then you've got all these other services that a la carte you can take them or use them if you don't want to. But that's really how you see the the core of the business is the from the the building and hosting side of things. Yeah, absolutely. In yeah. fact, like we want to encourage that that ecosystem. So we're actually probably next year we we have we have a couple partners for for third-party add-ons but next year we're going to be leaning full bore into the marketplace for for this stuff so you can just sort of plug in plug in like like you know legos different Mm. pieces of functionality together every every tech talk that i've ever heard always has some kind of a (laughs) lego metaphor in it you know and it's it's always about plugging stuff together but whenever i make a lego metaphor it's always about me stepping on them in the middle of the night (laughs) and screaming in pain you know and i think that whole screaming in pain is kind of apt with modern development anyway but what do you think jonathan (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. So even today, I've been dealing with, um, uh, Andrew mentioned Buddy earlier. Buddy is a great tool. It's my favorite like, continuous integration tool. But even that is just fraught with peril. Um, I guess a normal person, like a nightmare that they may have is like, they're being, you know, Jason's coming to get them. My nightmare is like, I got an alert from Buddy that the deployment failed. And so, <laughs> and so uh, I have been playing, of course, like everybody else with Jamstack stuff, Netlify in particular, like, it's like a breath of fresh air, just like not having to worry about that kind of stuff. Like I love like DevOps is kind of fun, but it's also like a huge thorn in my side. And so being able to remove that pain point from the equation is super appealing. I mean, I'm, I guess yeah. I'm one of the few masochists here that I actually don't mind DevOps. Like it doesn't really bother me and it's, yeah. it's fine, you know. But on the other hand, I mean, when you're just trying to get something up, like it's nice to be able to just like, you know. That, that's what it is. It's yeah. like you know, all I want to do is like, I got my site, like everything works locally. I want to move it from, from point A to point B, yeah. but it's like, once it works, it's fine usually. But like that, that like working through all the kinks of setting up the CI and like dealing with like crazy bugs that happen or like an incompatible version of like mm. node in the Docker container, like that kind of stuff makes my hair turn gray. Yeah. And that's the thing, like all of these things are kind of meta work, right? They're kind of tangential because what we're really trying to do is we're web developers. We're trying to build or design either a website or an app or whatever. And then if we've got to deal with all this BS, you know, just to get the thing from one place to another, I mean, that can be super frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even right down to the way that Notify does headers and redirects as well. Uh, Oh, you handle redirects? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, it's a simple file. It's so I think think if you're familiar with like an HT access file. Too uh, too familiar. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um, but the syntax is actually a lot more powerful. It handles uh, slugs. It handles sort of you know a- 
like the, the, to- the tokenizes it tokenizes parts of the URL. Tokenizes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I don't know the the official term for it because I, I just use it. I don't I don't uh, remember the name of it. <laughs> Can you do regex <laughs> patterns and everything? So like yeah, if you want it in your own little site generator or whatever, you could store them there and then just spit them out into something Netlify recognizes. Uh, you you can't do you can't do site uh, you can't do reg- regex patterns yet. Okay. But that is absolutely on the radar. Cool. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but but for example, Gatsby uh, absolutely does that. So Gatsby, you can just mm-hmm. Gatsby redirect. So you, then you have a server side redirect for for people hitting that URL directly. But then also a client side redirect. So in case people are messing around in your SPA and they go to the wrong URL, that they just get redirected to the right mm-hmm. URL. But that's really good for API masking. So you can mask a serverless function. So for example, or, or like uh, we have this we have this crazy example of people migrating or like hosting a WordPress site on Notify.com. Oh God. And why would you do that? It's a crazy example. Because, you know, you, there's no origins, there's no running server. So there, how, do you, how do you host that? And, and that's just done through a redirect. So you can incrementally migrate a site over by just shifting parts of your site over. For, and, that, and that matters a lot for people with existing sites, right? So, hmm. so I, I absolutely think that's a, that's a valid use case. But then also supports like, I mean, I, I, I actually haven't messed around with HD access, HD access files too much, but it also supports like language redirects and location-based redirects, which are, which are mm-hmm. also very cool. Nice. As well as J, uh, JWT sort of off-based stuff so i'm I'm gonna break your heart because ht access and nginx redirects they all support regex so Uh, yeah exactly so (laughs) so uh i always i always say like like that devops knowledge is never gonna go away oh yes it will you may not you may not need to set it up every time right no no i I do i I do think (laughs) i do think that some parts of it go away like unless you end up working at a company that because ultimately someone needs to run a server somewhere right so ultimately there do need to be people that maintain these things but the number is fewer and fewer when you start building services on top of it and and believe me like technology definitely becomes obsolete like i know some (laughs) assembly languages that i can't even imagine ever using for anything unless i did some weird embedded processor stuff you know that hypercard hypercard is (laughs) what are you talking about that that was like a high level uh, it's coming back patrick go back go back to your code kit you don't know what you're talking about (laughs) <laughs> one thing that one thing that because I, I live in this world, so I, I'm very excited about this. I don't know about you guys, but so for example, our our format doesn't support re, uh, regexes right now. Mm-hmm. But other other people like there's this there's this like sort of uh, arms race among CDN providers right now between like Cloudflare, oh yeah, um, and even. And um, what's the other one? Fastly, mm-hmm. as well as even smaller ones like Fly.io. Uh, some of them are personal friends of mine. All of them are pursuing pr- uh, programmatic redirects, which are basically you keep, you write code instead of just like config files. So you get an right? edge uh, worker that does the redirects or yeah, something? Exactly. Oh, that's sweet. If, if you're because because we've got the execute the the spin up and execution time of edge workers all the way down to single digit milliseconds. Yeah. Mm. It, doesn't matter. Like you just run the, the 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 program, and you can put your regex in there. Put whatever. I don't care. The 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 whole point is that like it's it's so fast that you that you that you're now unlocking this whole new capability of programmatic redirects and, and doing all this logic at the edge that you that you normally couldn't do. You have to hmm. fa- find all this workarounds for. So, I mentioned uh, this at a conference recently, so bear bear with me. But yeah. so we basically have we have JavaScript running on CDN edge servers like across the whole globe, right? Getting rid like they're 10 
tendrils are kind of in, enveloping the whole world. <laughs> I really think that it when Skynet comes, it's going to be a mutant strain of JavaScript. Like all the edge workers are going to get together and be like, you know, screw those people, right? <laughs> as, I mean, as long as they execute under certain, like, it's like, I don't know what it is, like 15 milliseconds or something. That's uh, fine. There, there are limits, there yeah. limits on that. Well, there are going to be there be millions of them all over the world, right? They can work in concert yeah, together, yeah. like little and, neurons. And they, can, little, and they can fire up each other as well. Yeah, they're like little synapses, right? Probably probably the ground zero for, for Skynet is probably Cloudflare because they also have yeah. uh, key Cloudflare like a, a KV store in each worker as well. Right. Um, they, so they have memory. And so that's a short step to sentience, um, I, I think. <laughs> this, it really, this could be how it starts. You know what I mean? And, and it's going to be something really stupid. Like someone's going to fat finger some dumb mistake and then it's just going to spiral out of control. Well, so, uh, okay. I mean, uh, well, you know, we're, 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 we're a little bit off topic here, but um, I actually... Bit. Oh no, we're right on topic. <laughs> I, I quite I quite recommend uh, if, if everyone here has, has seen uh, the wait but why explanation of what Elon Musk is doing. Hmm. Like he's Elon Musk really cares about the general survival of humanity, right? Like right. Uh, not just on, not just on Earth, and and that's why he's going to Mars, but then also against a possible robot apocalypse. And the the whole reason he he invests in this like neural lace thing where where you sort of interface if you're uh, with machines is that he thinks that there's no point regulating or trying to stop AI if you don't do it, China's going to do it, right? Right. But it's so it's dumb to just just shut down and stick your head in the sand. Right. It's better to try to innovate in the open. That's why you fund, that's why Elon Musk funds open AI to, to just share research to, to make it as, as widely available as possible. Although he, he uh, actually had to put a stop on that because they, they ended up creating a language model that was so dangerous they couldn't release it. <laughs> dangerous to <laughs> who or how? To, um, so, okay, this is a tangent to the tangent. That's but fine. This is called the, <laughs> the, the language model that was so dangerous they couldn't release it because you, you, could, gen you could type in a sentence, right? That was like, a piece of fake news, like I think the the, the, the generated sentence was like five llamas were found in like an ancient camels. Peruvian. Let's make them camels. Five camels were found in like the what's what's the Peruvian ruins? Um, the one the Machu Picchu. Machu Picchu. They were found. They found five camels in Machu Picchu. It was the first. There was the start of the sentence, and then they had the computer model generate the rest of the article, and it was completely humanly legible, and it mm. was like completely fake news, but it made total sense. And they were like, "This is just." Too much, like we, we like we're founded on the basis of openness as a, for for the safe advancement of AI, and we can't release this. That caused a huge scandal a couple months ago. I, I keep tabs on 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 this stuff. A tangent sure. to anyway. the tangent to the tangent. I've been to Machu Picchu. There are no camels there, Sean. So no camels. But that could have ruined John Hodgman's whole career. <laughs> All right, let's, let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. Let's okay. get, let's let's come back. Come back to come back to Netlify. What is what is this? No, no, it's totally cool. I, I love I love conversations like this. I, I I literally live on a tangent. I do. Um, but let's talk about Netlify. What is this dev? So we've talked about like there's an edge, right? And so that's where the the stuff goes that we serve. And then we've got a build server where stuff gets built. What is this dev thing? Like what does that do? Yeah. So if you think about Netlify, Netlify started out as just a CDN where you drag and drop, right? Then they were solving problems for people. And then they were like, all right, we got to build in that continuous deployment uh, build bot. So they, they, they put in that Netlify build. And then Netlify dev is the logical next step back in the development process to your local environment. So Netlify Dev is a CLI as well as an, an, an and the whole idea is that you run the production platform on your local machine without even deploying. And so I used I'm I'm super excited by this. Uh, I primarily worked on this, but 
I had to be sold on it as before, before I got really into this. <laughs> the whole idea. So for example, and this, this came out of like conversations with some of our largest partners where they would, would you believe, I mean, if believe it or not, like th- some of these like hundred plus million dollar companies, they lose four weeks of av- advertising revenue a year based on broken links. Mm. Um, they're unable to test their redirects locally. So what we did was we compiled our redirects, our, our redirects engine to WebAssembly, shipped it as an NPM module, mm. put it put it into our CLI, and then let you run it locally. Nice. So you can take everything as like it, like it is in production. So if it's a WebAssembly, what did you write it in? Is it in Rust or what is it written it's in? in? It's in C plus plus. C plus plus. Okay. I didn't. I I had no part to play in this. I'm just I'm just repeating what people tell me. But I've actually seen that code. You, you can see it on on inside your known modules, which is really cool. It's the first time I've actually used WebAssembly in it, in any sort of production way. So redirects are only one one part of the equation. Then you got to run your serverless functions alongside your your actual environment, and then also you got to pull in things like environment variables and and third party add ons. Sure. So Nellify Dev is this whole solution to like that's as far as possible. Let's pull things down and then run it locally, so you can. You can do things. So, in, for example, for those of you who are familiar with Gatsby, there's a difference between Gatsby build and Gatsby dev. Right. Um, but Gatsby dev has has that really nice hot reloading developer developer experience going on. We want to integrate as tightly with that so you get your your, your really fast feedback cycle. So that's the vision on Netlify dev, which is to it's kind of like that Iron Man suit. Like you already got your Iron Man, but then let's just say put it put another suit on the suit with like all this all this other, all this other functionality that you normally get in production anyway. Yeah, I always um, thought the the Gatsby develop stuff was really kind of built around Webpack dev server, right? Like I always felt like it kind of existed because Gatsby is based on a Webpack dev server, right? So Gatsby develop is essentially just using the the Webpack dev server version of this stuff. But Devlify, which is what I'm now calling it, it's not Netlify dev, it's (laughs) Devlify, okay? It sounds like it does a whole lot more than that. Like you're you're basically pulling down a whole environment, right? I don't I don't want to I want to give it give an impression that it does more than Webpack Dev Server. I think Webpack Dev Server is actually more complicated. It, it yeah, but it, but it does it basically spins well, up because I'm going to be running Webpack Dev Server alongside or on top of uh, yeah yeah. 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 So, so it, sets, it basically sets up a proxy server mm. uh, that is a local Netlify endpoint, right? Mm. So you have your dev server, you have your function server, and anything else that you that you might need, like we'll inject environment variables for you. Anything else you might need to to as closely replicate your production environment as possible on your local devs on your local server. Uh, sorry, on your yeah, on your local machine, so you can you can test it out. And then once while you're testing, why not share it live with a coworker, right? So with a like someone who's like sort of the product manager or, or non-technical or like a designer or something. The the idea is to is to type something like a Netlify dev dash dash live, and that opens up that spins up a pod on our backend that lets you tunnel through to, to have to have something live on the like a live URL you can point people to, um, so that you can interact with your code as you develop on it. So what's all the this difference? Without, between not actually deploying. What, what's the difference? With, like, why wouldn't I just deploy, or why wouldn't I use like a, a Netlify staging server for that? If I'm if I'm planning to share it with other people anyway, Be- because you can because you can live reload. Okay, right. This is all about the dev the dev, dev time, experience, right? right? Yeah. So no build, no no deploying. You, you just open up that live tunnel. So I think a lot of people compare this to rsync. I, I haven't not not rsync. I don't. I hope not. <laughs> um, sorry, sorry. There, there was there was uh, N- Grok launched this. Uh, and Grok. Yeah. yeah that's okay. It. Mm. 
Sorry, I get I get all these commands mixed up. No, no, it's fine. But if it, if you if they actually were comparing it to rsync, like my whole <laughs> no. world just needs to be rearranged. No, 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 no. It's it was Angra. No, um, so it's it's pretty funny because like I was I was like working on I worked on this from like for like the early part of this year, and then we launched it in April, and then people uh, were on Hacker News commenting like this is you know they they liked it, they didn't like it, they were comparing it to different services, and then they were like, isn't this like Angra? And I was like, what is what is Angra? And then I had to go. <laughs> Um, but like you know, uh, so this was this was my first time actually working on a thing that went to the top of Hacker News, and it went re- went really well. But like you know, uh, I think I think facing the scrutiny of of, of a critical audience like that, I was um, about to as, I was about to say condolences that it went to the top just, of Hacker as, News. No, no, it went, it went really well. Um, I think I think historically Nullify has not had a good relationship with Hacker News, but this year everything changed. Like people started up, uploading it for for you who, know, who would you say does have a positive or good relationship with Hacker? <laughs> Stripe. Stripe does. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. You know why? Because the founders are there every time they launch something. Mm. You, to get a because get a direct response from Patrick Collison, like that that does something to you, right? Like it's like, oh, my my commenting on the internet will be seen by someone who has influence on, on that company. So people people get a little bit nicer on there. Matt, jump in. John, you mentioned um Netlify functions a couple of times, and I, I think this is something that's really cool. Would you mind talking a little bit about what those are and why you might use them? Yeah. The, so the whole idea is that if we're are going to have if we're going to ask people to make their sites and base everything on Jamstack, then we're going to have we're going to need a solution to answer them whenever they need something dynamic that they typically have to drop back to 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 running us a, a server for right. So we better make serverless functions really really easy. So actually, I, I I agree with you. I think they're I think they're really easy to set up. Like I have set up AWS Lambda with API Gateway and like Route 53 and what and so on and so forth. And it's just like too much. Like I just want to set up a file and then just upload it together with my front end. Right. Um, and be able to ping that. How, what can what can be so hard? AWS thinks it's hard, but <laughs> but but Netlify as a as a layer. So there there's this there's a bunch of us like Zite and Netlify and, and a bunch of others. We're all considered second layer clouds because we're we're layers on top of these underlying clouds. Like I think we have Amazon, Google, sorry Amazon, Google, and Microsoft, but then also some in China and in Russia. And 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 the and the point is the point is that we we abstract over them to give a, a better developer experience. Right. That's what that's what I mean. That's that's a perspective for my team. I happen to work on the developer experience team, but I think it's a, it's a view that's shared a lot. Like we differentiate ourselves by better developer experience. There's absolutely nothing that you can do with us that you couldn't do just by being like an Amazon architect or something. But the fact that it's easier that with better defaults and 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 we innovate on a lot of things that they then steal, that's a good thing for us. <laughs> well, you said something earlier, which is you didn't remember the name of uh, redirects or something. You just use it, and I feel like that was with I played a little bit with Netlify functions, and it was cool because I instead of trying to set up the AWS AWS pieces and connect them. I was just working on writing the function and then it lives with my code and it was just like a much nicer experience. Thought that was kind of cool. And the yeah. fact that it works with the local dev server is all the more exciting. So yeah, that so I used to maintain the predecessor to Netlify dev. There was a predecessor called Netlify Lambda and that used to require like look at go look at the documentation for Netlify Lambda. It had framework by framework ways to plug into the proxying services in, in each of these things. And it was just so much to maintain. And mm. once we moved to Netlify Dev, we got rid of that. Because now instead of instead of plugging into the the, the local proxy to to and, and the reason um just to just to back out a little bit. So the reason you want to do this is because you're pinging a serverless function API that is living on a different port. So you're gonna have cores issues if you don't do this redirect stuff. Right. Um, hmm. uh, so to avoid the cores issues you have to do all this stuff. But with Netlify Dev, like you have a proxy server in front of it so you, we can do everything we want 
and all under under that same port. So that that solves it locally, uh, and that was a, that was a big solve for for people. But then also on my production like deployed site, I also use uh, Nullify functions to solve cores issues for pinging third party APIs because I can just. Uh, ping my own, and then from from the node side of things, go ping other APIs. So I do that a lot. Like you want to you want to hide tokens, use a Netlify function. You wanna you wanna ping a third party API, use a Netlify function. You wanna trigger based on events like uh, Netlify identity logins or form submissions, use a Netlify function. It's it's really the glue layer for everything that you might you might want to possibly do. So Netlify functions are yet another service or API that Netlify provides. But if you don't want to use that, you can just use AWS Lambda or whatever else you want to yeah. use, right? Yeah. So People absolutely like we have a strong contingent contingent of Firebase users who mm. refuse to use Firebase hosting, but they use everything else Firebase. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, I, yeah. Whatever floats your boat, right? You know? In the we, words of Sean, use whatever the hell you want. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, so I think this is, I actually call it, I, I get frustrated by this. I, I call this uh, Nullify fighting with one hand tied behind its back. Mm. Because if you don't know where someone's coming from, then you have to, you know, offer up some config. You have to offer up some documentation for that config. Right. It's a learning curve rather than a point and click. Like it, well, this is guaranteed to work because we own the entire chain from from back to front. We don't own everything from back to front, and and this modular thing makes like makes it more sustainable for us. Makes it more sustainable for you. It also makes it a little bit more challenging in terms of how to how to make the developer experience better. So so we care a lot about that. Uh, we're working on some ways to do to make that kind of thing zero config, but it, it is it is an uphill climb that we do. Well, good luck in your Netla fight. But um, so the, <laughs> the question I have, sorry, Matt. <laughs> Matt, I, I was, Matt was visibly nice, upset with that one. That was really bad. <laughs> um, but I, I do want to talk about the downsides a little bit of this kind of jam stacky way of doing stuff, right? So there, there are two major downsides that we who are used to doing kind of lamp stacky stuff experience. So one yeah. is that there are, there is a, there are build times. So no matter what you're doing, there is some kind of a delay in terms of, so Gatsby currently rebuilds everything and then deploys it. Okay. So they're, they're going to have streaming site generators and it's going to do diffs and et cetera, et cetera. But even yeah. then, like content authors will change something. They'll save it. There'll be a build process, and then a webhook will have to kick in, and then a deployment process has to happen. You know, CDN edge invalidation, all that kind of fun stuff. There is there is a delay there, right? Have you does it inhibits? You know, have you run into that? That that is actually a problem, or you just don't find that to be an issue? Yeah, totally. There, there is a delay, and if you're not uh, if you haven't designed your architecture, you may shoot yourself in the foot. Mm. Uh, and I've definitely done that. I've done a two hour live stream where we where we just like set things up wrong, and we just ended up waiting. <laughs> when we didn't have to. Oh, and there's like dead air while you're waiting for it to deploy and you're like, oh, oh it'll be goes, there. It'll be there terrible. soon. Yeah. Terrible. But like once I once I did that once, I, I figured it out and, I, and I, I never did that again. But it wasn't so, as bad as the radio fail we had earlier today anyway. You mentioned uh, this was the worst you'd ever seen, right? Uh. <laughs> on, um, just this on, on Zencaster because I, I, I usually have good experiences with Zencaster. Yeah. Anyway, continue uh, about the, the delay. In the, and I'm thinking about yeah. not from a developer point of view. I'm talking about like the person that works at a big company that they're tasked with updating the company's blog and they're editing it and their boss says, you know, no, you can't include that. And they have to go in and edit it, save it. And the boss is reloading the page. He's like, where is it? I told you to change it, you know? Yeah, so no, totally. So the, the first solution is incremental builds. That's that's right. something that uh, all, most static site generators don't design in by default because they never were designed for that scale right. where a build a build would take like half an hour, an hour, five hours, right? Like we have, and, and there are ways around this if you if you sort of create your own site build. Like uh, one of our clients is Smashing Magazine, Sequoia, they run their entire site 
all on Jamstack and it's mm-hmm. thousands and thousands of pages and, and they're fine with that process. Part of it comes from having a headless CMS. And that's right. why there's this, there's this whole movement in because you're, you're able to, to preview and, and, and edit and, and work on that stuff in headless CMSs. But that doesn't mean that that has to affect your site architecture choices for your, your production deployed site. You're just, you know, going through the review and editing process, right? Right. And so, and so, yeah, I mean, like, if we want to talk about craft, like, that's, that's something that they're picking up on, but not only them, Drupal's decoupling, WordPress is decoupling. Like, this is a huge movement that is, that is, that is very much in support of the Jamstack. Like, well, and, I, and I, it I, makes I, sense, I, right? Because nowhere in CMS, content management system, is there anything about the fact that it's going to render a web page? You know what I mean? Like right. it's supposed to manage content, right? That's what yeah. it's supposed to do. And it, it makes complete sense to me. I'm just talking about from the, maybe part of it is retraining expectations from the point of view that as long as the content author has some kind of live preview, that they can have some kind of assurance what it's actually going to look like, then they just need to be trained that, okay, you're going to hit publish and it's going to take a little bit before it's published, right? Yeah, totally. Uh, I think I think it can be even faster too than that. So Gatsby Gatsby does have this Gatsby preview service that they're working on, right. where it's an instant refreshing. And and I think honestly, I think once we solve incremental builds, so like there's a misconception that things are built from scratch every time when you fire off a Netlify build. That's actually not true. We can't we cache your node modules, for example. So right. oh my god, node- if you didn't cache the node modules, <laughs> yeah, we'd be installing them I'll, from scratch every time. I'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> but, but if we're caching, if we're caching node modules, why can't we cache everything else? Right? right. So if we just have that, that map of like how data flows through all the pages and then just diff the, diff the data, we do this all the time in React, right. diff, diff the, diff the data structures and see what, see what outputs is as the new change. And we only build that change. It'll take a second. Right. Like <laughs> these things are super fast. So it's, it's, it's just that we're, we're in this awkward phase of like, we never really took static site generators seriously for, for this stuff until, until, you know, a few years ago. And we actually, we actually, so the Nullify founder, Matt Billman, he actually called this uh, like four years ago on, on Smash Magazine. He was like, this is the rise of static site generators. So now we're, we're running off into all these pain points, mm-hmm. but absolutely everyone is focused on this. Like I'm building, I'm building my own static site generator. And the first feature I want is incremental builds. Right. Um, because like you should cache as much as possible. If you can hot reload locally, there's no reason you can't cold reload by by storing stuff in cache. Like so, so that will absolutely be solved and be faster. But yes, for now, you do have to tell your your clients to to wait a bit more before changes are published to the live thing. And while they're editing, you know, they can use the headless CMSs to. to and, and like I said, part of that may be a retraining thing, right? So as long as they're able to preview it and they feel comfortable that this is what it is going to look like, yeah, that yeah. if there is, you know, a five second or you know, it can even be an hour delay depending on what's going on as long as they have that kind of confidence you know i think that that is probably okay you made an interesting analogy in terms of the uh, you know react uh, shadow dom for instance in terms of diffing things and uh, doing just what what changes the tough part about doing that for an entire website is keeping track of what element you're changing and what pages that then affects, right? So like if I edit a header or a footer, there has to be something that tracks the fact that that is on X number of pages or this include is on these pages. And I think it's, I mean, I'm sure it will be solved, but it's not, it's not the simplest problem to solve necessarily. No. Yeah. But like, like I'm, like I'm saying, like if, if we can do it on, it, on hot reload, we can absolutely do cold reload. Right. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And it makes sense <laughs> that you would be you would be caching this stuff as much as you possibly could in the the build process too, because why not, right? Yeah, we might as well. Uh, and one thing, one thing. So we have like uh, some, for example, like sports betting sites on on uh, as as customers, and they're like, ah, oh, like I can't use Jamstack because like I need to I need these things to update through the match, you know, as 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 the sports betting goes along, and, and that has to be real time. But they could do that real time with live APIs, right? Yeah, just let's just. just Render render a shell, yeah. right? Like you normal, like you would do anyway, and then just <laughs> like uh, I think people get hung up. Like it's like if it's static site, if it's static sites, it must be static content. Uh, right. and that's absolutely not true. The whole point of having the JavaScript in there is to is to do all the dynamic stuff that you they always need to. Yeah, it's really the opposite, right? I mean, yeah. I, I think of using I think of using React View and these other tools that layer on top of it when I do need that more appish live interaction type thing. Yeah. 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 And I was curious. I wonder what happens on the Netlify side. We heard last week at Dot All, uh, Matt Weinberg of, of Happy Cog was talking about how they were using Netlify. And I think they ended up going to just building every so often. I'm wondering what happens in a situation where craft, you might have a webhook and every time someone saves, it, it fires off to Netlify. If you have a 10 minute build process and some really eager content author is in there and you know, she's updating <laughs> the homepage, then what happens when you just send off in a span of three minutes, 10, 10 minute builds? Does it just stack up and Netlify just chugs <sighs> along or is there any intelligence that can happen as to know? Yeah. I'm really yeah. hoping it debounces and it coalesces them together. <laughs> I'm really hoping it doesn't just queue uh, I'm wondering, uh, just for Netlify's sake. Uh, so, so right now it just queues it up because we don't know okay. if you actually, you, if you actually right, right. reviews of those things. Like right. uh, our, our promise to you is that every commit or every merge uh, mm -hmm. should have an immutable URL that you can go back to, right? So if we, sure. if we just arbitrarily debounced it for you, then you wouldn't have that. Right. So we don't actually have that right now. I, I, I personally think it makes sense. We just haven't built it, but we do yeah. have the ability to cancel builds. So like if you're like, oh shit, I just like launched 10 builds in three minutes. Uh, you can just go there. <laughs> so yeah. Because all of these things, they, they're just individual Kubernetes pods and we just like, mm -hmm. we put a cancel button and you just kill them. Right. Um, so it's absolutely not uh, an issue. It's just, uh, I, I think, I think you're right. Like the, the debouncing may have to happen as well. Like, uh, you know, so, so there, there's some things like I can't announce, I can't share here that, that will you be announced. News. I can't. It's, this is like a company level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. security thing but but i think I, I do think that this 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 will be more of a demand going forward as especially as people start to use more build hooks in general and and try to just pipe uh so this is like a kind of like an event driven workflow like on this then do this and right. and so we need to make people comfortable in managing all the events that are coming in right now we don't really offer an interface for that but we but we probably should yeah patrick i mean it's going to happen in one place or the other right so if there right, is right. some kind of a debounce it'll either happen on their end or we can build it into our sites where because I've, I've watched sean i've watched people that edit stuff and like in the way they edit it is like they open it up they change one word they save it then they go back and then they they change another word and then they save it and like i mean just as a systems engineer like thinking about everything that each one of those clicks would spawn like the process like it makes my head want to explode so because they're thinking about it like they're editing a word document right and they don't want to lose any content so they're paranoid yeah. and they want to save and I, yeah. I get it make a change save make a change save i get it i'm not yeah, i'm not know. insulting them but what we would do on our end then is we would write just a little piece that sits in front of the webhook that would be our debounce that it would say okay when was the last build pushed right so every maybe we would allow them to do it every 15 minutes and it would just coalesce everything. That's all and that's that's all you would need to do. I think it does make sense potentially to have that on the Netlify side of things, but it would definitely have to be optional, right, Sean? Because part of your contract is every push you're gonna build. 
right? Yeah. So, so I think, yeah, one way, one way to do that is to absolutely spin up a serverless function, check when the last deploy was. Right. You can do that programmatically as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's many ways to cut this and I don't, I don't know that I have the right answer. I, I think, I do think some sort of like, ex, like if, if a service, if a static site generator could build this in where they're like, has this changed recently? If not, if it has, if it has changed recently, build this to a serverless function and then serve from a serverless function. And if it's going to cool down because like it's been a week since we published this and we're not changing it anymore, then just pre-generate it to a static site. So Next.js kind of has started down this, down this path right. uh, in terms of the React frameworks, but they don't really do the, they, they do the cool down based on cache headers and they don't really do it based on like a static site approach to, to the rest of your sites that have cooled down. So I think, I think there's more innovation to be done there, but there definitely, there's definitely some, you know, thinking to be done here. Like, yeah, I mean, the way I would think of it. I would just think of it as like an, we are familiar with API rate limits, right? So yeah. I would think of it in, from that point of view, like you would have a build limit. So, and maybe you set it to every 15 minutes and it would just accumulate and coalesce all of the build stuff up to then. And then yeah. as soon as your, your time comes and the way you go, you know? The way we actually have it right now is concurrent builds. So, you know, if you're, if you're on the free tier, you get one concurrent build at, at a time and you, you're just like locked up in that queue. Right. Um, if you're, if you're more enterprisey, can, you can have more concurrent builds. More enterprisey um, just means paying you more money. Yeah. Paying okay. You more money. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Cause I, I woke yeah. up this morning and I was feeling very enterprisey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. We, we actually don't like that word. Uh, I should stop using it, but I, I, I guess old habits die hard. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, if you, if you have that use case, if you have that, that size of team, then it may, it may just make sense for you to have more concurrent builds. Yeah. Sean, I have a related question, uh, for a friend. If you're, <laughs> I'm sorry, if, if the friend is, is pretty not enterprisey, is there a, is there a point where, uh, you usher them off the free tier, like at the 300th project, you say, look, oh, no. you need to get enterprisey or just get out of here. Um, so you can go to Netlify.com slash pricing for all the pricing information. It's not at all. I, no one cares about number of projects. It's more about bandwidth because, you know, we are a hosting company. And if you start hosting like, you know, a bunch of movies on there, then yeah, like it's, it's going to cost us. So we, so we do charge a bandwidth. I don't actually know the, it's like 15 gigs of something. I, I actually don't know. It's, it's, um, it's a soft limit. We don't, we don't ask for your credit card or anything. I think honestly, like bandwidth is not so much an issue for me as much as other features. Like uh, the whole point of all this stuff is that, you know, we, we, it's a super generous fee tier. But for example, for forms, once you get past something like a hundred forms, a hundred form submissions a month, then we start ask, then you start tripping into the, the actual pay tier, right? Like it's, these are all things where they're add-ons to the base service where they actually cost money to run. Like, like for example, functions, uh, we also charge by function invocations and that's just a function of how the underlying cloud providers also do that. And, and so, and so like, I think the whole point, the, uh, the, the idea is that it's a free tier for, for most things. Uh, except for analytics. So we have server-side analytics where it's $9 a month. Free tier for most things. And then once you get into actual serious usage, then you start paying. Yeah, and uh, I think it's an, an important point that we make to people. First of all, I realize that a lot of the, we've gone on some esoteric tangents here and I, I, blame, <laughs> I, I blame myself for that. But but for, for anyone, like, don't be scared. Like, honestly, I was shocked at how quickly I was able to just deploy some stuff to uh, Netlify. And also, there is a free tier. And it actually is a quite usable free tier. 
You know, I mean, you when you, yeah. you push stuff, I mean, you got to wait, you know, you got to wait until it actually uh, they get around to building and deploying it. But it is very usable as something that you can just start tinkering around with. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I, I think I think like the, the point is to get people hooked and then start recommending the, the so Jamstack you're, approach. So you're a drug then, dealer. Then, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's it's more on the on the good experience of, of using like software that has the same defaults and and like a, the, like just they're promoting their architecture, because as long as we lead that category, then we win as long as the category wins. Right. I get it. I get it. First one's free. I get it, Sean. Well, that that about wraps it up for another episode of the devmode.fm podcast. If you'd like to have every episode delivered to your favorite player, you can subscribe via RSS or find us on iTunes or Google Play. And if you like what we're doing, please review our show on iTunes. It's the best way to help others find the show. You can also follow us on Twitter at devmode.fm. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Just leave us a comment on the devmode.fm website where we can continue the conversation for the devmode.fm podcast. I'm Andrew Welch. I'm Patrick Harrington. I'm Jonathan Melville. Matt Stein. And thank you very much, Sean Swix Wang, for coming on, my man. Thanks, everyone. out fantastic i apologize for all of the fail in the beginning but you know <laughs> it is what it is I, got, I actually got the bandwidth wrong it's 100 gigs not 15 now i'm <laughs> pick myself because I, I don't pay for anything right so because i'm an employee oh, must <laughs> i always joke that like the best the best way to, to the best way to pay for like to never pay for nellify is to work for them so then <laughs> you're hiring <laughs> yeah. i'm approaching